0: This is a Sandy Boy Productions podcast. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Why Is Everyone Yelling with Lindsay Hine. I'm your host, Lindsay. Thanks so much for being here today. Today on the podcast, we have Dr. Kara Goodwin joining us. She's a child psychologist, mom of four, and she runs the Instagram account, which is a nonprofit called The Parenting Translator. She also has a podcast and a Substack page where she shares research. She's translating recent scientific research into information that parents can actually use. Uh, Wow, in this episode, we talk about uh, when gentle parenting doesn't work. Woo, that is a uh, interesting topic in my life for sure. Uh, We talk about how to help your anxious child, What? anxiety looks like in children. We talk about school avoidance. We also talk about ADHD and how it is being talked about so much. And Kara gives us her thoughts on that. I also weigh in my thoughts on that. And then we end the discussion talking about trad wives. Have y'all heard about trad wives? This is new to me. I am. I guess I'm late to seeing this trend on social media. Um, yeah, I have feelings you probably do too. (laughs) It's interesting. It's interesting. Um, I really love this conversation with Kara. Realistic parenting right here. That is what we're here for today. Realistic parenting. We have our own emotions just like our kids. Hey, I want to let you know that I am also a running coach. Um, I host a podcast called All Have Another that is a place where I interview professional and everyday runners. And I've also been coaching athletes for 10 years. My Gosh, 11 years now because I started that business when my son was born, my oldest. And I have training plans available. So if you're looking to run your first 5K, half marathon or marathon, whether you're a beginner or you're intermediate or advanced, I have options for everybody. Um, You can go to my website, lindseyhind.com, to check those out. They are super digestible and also super comprehensive, like detailed. I have a pace chart. I have pre and post run stretch and strength routines. Uh, Running and physical activity is a big passion of mine. And if you're looking to run your first half marathon or marathon, I can definitely help you get there. So just go to lindsayhine.com and click on the training plans tab and you can check out those training plans. I also do one-on-one coaching. So if you're looking for that, just email me, lindsay at sandyboyproductions.com. Friends, please enjoy this conversation with Dr. Cara Goodwin. All right, friends. Today on the podcast, we have Dr. Kara Goodwin on the show. Welcome to the show, Kara. Thank you so much for having me. With your little two month old baby in tow, that's the best. Yes, it is the best. Listen, something a mama four knows how to do is like hold a baby while doing an interview.
1: Oh, definitely. Yes. She is my fourth. So it. I've kind of
0: just continued on with my
1: normal life.
0: <laughs> yeah. I remember when I had my fourth, I would be like, okay, I would, when he was really little, I would get a babysitter, but then I would just tote him around with me. And I remember that first time I, I was in a co-working space at that time. And I, I just would take him with me to the co-working space and, oh. and hold him. And I have this really sweet picture. Um, one of my friends that worked there too, she walked up to me and I was holding him. I was editing a podcast and she was like, "Has someone documented this? You need a picture of this." And I'm so glad she did that because now that picture is so precious to me. Oh, that's so sweet.
1: Yes, it's so fun when they're in this stage where you can kind of just tote them around, and they're like your little buddy um, without the demands that you know are coming to the top. Of the stage.
0: <laughs> totally. How old are your other kids?
1: Um, so they're eight, five, and three.
0: Okay. Okay. Cool. Yeah. So you're just like a few years behind me. Mine are well, quite a few years, I guess, with the youngest because mine are five, seven, nine, and eleven. So okay. yeah, we're not too far ahead. Yeah. Um, okay. So Dr. Kerr, tell us you're a child psychologist. Tell us a little bit about the work that you do online and offline. Yes.
1: Yeah, so um, I'm a child psychologist and a mother of four. Like I said, and um, I was in the world of child psychology before I became a parent. So I was doing research and therapy with kids and um, diagnoses. And um, so I was doing that first. And then I became a parent. And, you know, I knew about all of this research. I'd spent a lot of, you know, time and effort on conducting some of this research. And, you know, I would be talking to my mom friends. And, you know, we'd all be talking about something we're dealing with. And I would say, well, you know about like, this research study and they would have no idea what I was talking about. And it occurred to me that, you know, there's all this research out there on parenting and child development, but it's just not reaching the people who need it. So it's not reaching parents. Mm. Um, And it just occurred to me, you know, that this was a huge problem. And um, I'm so passionate about the research that, um, you know, I always reading the most recent research and, and just so interested in it that, um, I, you know, during the pandemic, when all of us were kind of, you know, reevaluating everything, I, um, I had a two-year-old and a four-year-old and I was pregnant with my third. So I had a lot going on, but I still, you know, felt like this, that this drive that I had to do something about this problem. So I, you know, emailed all my friends. I asked them to just follow me on Instagram and that I was just going to write up summaries of the research I was reading anyways. Um, And I just kept getting a lot of positive feedback like this is really helpful. Thank you so much for doing this. I didn't know this. Um, So I kind of kept going with it. And I have since formed um, a nonprofit that I call Parenting Translator. And the idea is to take all the research that's out there on parenting and child development or anything that could be helpful to parents and translate it into information that um, you can use in your everyday lives to make like this incredibly difficult job a little bit easier. Um, that's my goal at least.
0: Wow. I did not know that it was a nonprofit. Yes. So tell us about that aspect of it. So
1: I, you know, when I was doing this, it kind of all, like I said, I just started this in the middle of the pandemic. I was just randomly posting on Instagram. I thought nobody would be interested in this. Um, and it was just something fun for me to like a project. And, um, And I, you know, as the Instagram grew, I was thinking, you know, what is this? Is this a business? Is it a nonprofit? And it just seemed clear to me that it should be a nonprofit um, because there already are people who are out there um, translating research for profit, which is the media. So um, you um, you can see kind of how they're doing when you see some of these headlines that, are just meant to scare parents and, and I just felt so important to me that I, that because parenting is such a hot topic and it's so hard to not be biased that I try to be as unbiased as possible by, you know, any sort of financial interests and that my reporting of it, um, just be, um, you know, what my reading of the research rather than, you know, I'm being sponsored by various companies or, um, you know, I'm doing this to get, you know, to give parents anxiety, which then gets more clicks. Um, Mm. it just felt very important to me that it be a nonprofit.
0: Mm. So how is it, okay, this might be a silly question and it's not the topic of our conversation really, but how is it funded then? And like, what does that look like to make it a nonprofit?
1: Um, so right now I'm not taking donations. Um, eventually that's something I'm interested in as I, um, you know, build this and I have more of a staff, but uh, you know, it's really just mostly my time that, um, is going into this, which I, it's just such a passion. I love doing it. So, um, Yeah.
0: So your purpose of it being a nonprofit is so that people know, hey, this is all unbiased. Like I'm not getting paid for anything I put on here kind of thing. Yes, exactly. And I also
1: think that, you know, all parents deserve access to this information regardless of their financial circumstances. So I want to make sure that this information is freely available.
0: Yeah. Okay. So tell us about after doing all this research and then becoming a parent and you've learned, you know, X, Y, and Z. When things that you've learned in the research don't pan out to work, how you thought they might work, how you've handled that in your own life.
1: Yeah. So that's, that's something I talk about a lot because I think, um, you know, before I became a parent, I, and you know, I was in this world, in the child psychology world, I was just like, this is so easy. This is so clear what, this is exactly what you do, X, Y, Z, you know, and How do, why do people have trouble with this? (laughs) You know, I talk a lot, you know, on my platform about how difficult it is implementing this in the real world. You know, it is, um, you know, we know that it's so important to stay calm and, you know, when your child's dysregulated to stay calm and to be that kind of, you know, calm, secure, you know, setting clear boundaries and, um, you know, validating their emotions and empathizing with them. But what you don't realize until you become a parent is like how hard that is in (laughs) practice. Um, And, you know, you can say, um, you know, for example, that, um, oh, before you have kids, you're like, well, screen time has been associated with, you know, a lot of negative impact. Mm. if these are just correlations, like why would I ever use screen time? And then you're a parent and you're trying to make dinner and you're at your wit's end and you're like, I, I don't know how to handle this like I just want to put on a show and have them like be zombies for 30 minutes. um so it's it, everything is a lot harder in the real world and I think that um I really try to use that and talk about that because I think um it's one thing to say, oh, the research says this is what you should do but it's totally different to implement it in the real world and a lot of what, I talk about, um, on my platform, I want parents to know that like, this is, this is really hard in the real world. You're doing this on little sleep. Um, you know, you have your own feelings and thoughts and desires that go into this. So it's so important to remember that, um, you know, that none of it is going to work out as perfectly as it might seem in the research.
0: Yeah, it's so frustrating when you try these methods that you that are, like, known to work and it's just not working. Um, I've been working so hard over the last couple of years to, to yell less <laughs> um, and to, like you said, regulate, like, when my kids are out of control, me be the regulator. Um, and just this morning, like, we had, we had so much time before school because – Daylight savings. Everybody's getting up early and our school doesn't start till nine anyway. So like I got up at 545 and two of my kids were already up watching TV. So I was like, okay, you know what? For those that want to go on a bike ride with me this morning, we're going to go do that for a little bit before school. Um, And then I realized, oh, my husband's already running. So we have to wait for him. So my oldest, who's very impatient, is already dysregulated because he wants to go, go, go. One of my kids has an accident, tries to go to the bathroom, gets poop on the floor and one of them is screaming about me not giving him the right shirt to wear. And then one of them is just chill, which is great. Right. <laughs> but when there's four, yeah. when one, is chill, there's still three that aren't chill. Yeah. And I just screamed. I just, <laughs> ah! Like, I just was like, I can't hold it in. Um, and we, we worked it out. Um, you know, one of the kids complained the entire bike ride that he was cold, but, you know, whatever. But my point is, it's like, you're so right. Like, even when we are so intentionally trying to be the calm person, if all the shoes are dropping, everything's going crazy at once, sometimes I just scream. I didn't scream a curse word, which I've done, you know, before, but I didn't do that. I just screamed. <laughs> um, and so, yeah, this, like, regulation it's hard. And then we get hard on ourselves, but like, we are humans. Like we are humans. We have emotions and we might be adults, but our emotions are still big. Yes,
1: exactly. I always get worried (laughs) that somebody will see me out with my kid and be like, aren't you that parent? Aren't you like the (laughs) parent? And I would be like, oh my gosh. But you know, we all, yeah, it doesn't matter if you are a you have a PhD in child psychology. It doesn't matter if you know all the research, like we are all imperfect people. And like, we're going to yell. And I think it's so important. Um, And honestly, having more kids has helped me with this, but to let mm. go of that idea that you can be the perfect parent um, mm-hmm. because it's impossible. And even if it were possible, like we're not modeling for our kids that it's okay to make mistakes. And this is how you repair when you make mistakes. Like it's so important for our kids to see us messing up Mm. and to see us having trouble with emotional regulation because they're going to have trouble with emotional regulation. Like we see them have trouble with emotional regulation every day. So like they need to see us mess up and then make things better because that's how they learn to do it in their own lives.
0: All right. All right, friends. I know you are working hard every day in your jobs and your parenting and all the things you do. Perhaps you are training for a race or an event. And look, sleep is important. So I wanna help you get good sleep with Lagoon Sleep. They have the best pillows out there, soft, cooling, as hard or as soft as you want them actually. Like some of their pillows can be more firm if that's what you like. I like a softer pillow. And they send you the filling for your pillow so you can fill it up as much or as little as you want. It is truly incredible. The best pillow I've ever slept with, in fact. You go to lagoonsleep.com slash Lindsay and fill out their two-minute sleep quiz, and they'll set you up with a pillow that is perfect for the neck support you need if you're a back sleeper, a side sleeper, all the good things. And that uh, once once you uh, start with this pillow, you're gonna be like, what have I been doing my life all my life without this pillow? So go to lagoonsleep.com slash L-I-N-D-S-E-Y and use the code Lindsay, L-I-N-D-S-E-Y for 15% off your order. All right, friends, back to the show. Okay, so one of the topics that you recently covered on your podcast, um, the Parenting Translator, your podcast is called that too, right? Yes, exactly. Uh, Okay. Um, How to help your anxious child. And um, we've got one in particular that is extremely anxious. And well, first of all, I'm curious, like how do you feel about even – labeling that or like saying that word to the kid?
1: Yeah. So you want to be, um, careful about how you talk about it. And, you know, I feel very conflicted about labels. I've, with my own kids, especially, mm-hmm. you know, I think it's, it was so much more straightforward when I was, you know, just a psychologist. I'm like with your own kids, it's, it's very hard to use labels with them because you don't want the label to define them. So, right. When I've dealt with this with my kids, I think about okay, what are they going to gain from the label versus like the na- the downsides, which are mm. them seeing themselves in a certain way. But a lot of times, the truth is, children are already seeing these differences, and having a name for it is really helpful for them. Um, but we really want to explain it to them in a way that takes away the shame. So. Um, something I recommend is saying that, you know, anxiety is kind of like a false alarm. So, you know, imagine like when the smoke alarm goes off, when you burnt the toast, you know, that is anxiety. You know, we need to have the smoke alarm because sometimes there really is a fire, but you have to ask yourself, you know, is this a false alarm or is this like, is this really a fire, Mm -hmm. um, And I think it helps also to talk about, you know, we've all experienced anxiety. So talk about times that you've experienced anxiety, um, you know, whether it was as a kid or as an adult and how you dealt with it. Um, So you want to explain it to children in um, using like a coping model. So, you know, you can talk about things you've struggled with, but make sure you're talking about it in a way that you've successfully coped with it because that teaches them how to cope cope with it themselves.
0: And then how does anxiety show up differently perhaps in like girls versus boys? Um, so there's you know, there's
1: not really a lot of research on like girl how it would show up differently in girls boys versus boys. I would say um it definitely shows up differently in children versus adults. Mm. Um so um in children, you know, people get really, I guess they are less likely to identify anxiety in children because, um, uh, it can look a little bit different. So it can just look like irritability, um, mm-hmm. which you're just thinking like, oh, this is just a difficult child, but it could actually be anxiety. Um, in children, it can also look like a lot of physical complaints, like their tummy's hurting or they've got a headache. Um, so, you know, if you have a kid, um, you know, a common example is like, they're always saying they're sick from school. Like it could just be they're trying to get out of school, but it could be anxiety. So it's important to really think about that. And and they could really be experiencing those physical symptoms. Um, mm-hmm. And it's, it's related to anxiety, not a, an actual, you know, physical illness.
0: You know, that's been really challenging for us because my one kid that does um, struggle with anxiety, all those things you said we've experienced – And it's kind of, it gets to a point where it's like, I've never been like an over-doctored kind of mom. Like, in fact, I'm like, why do our kids have to go to so many checkups? And, you know, beyond like getting their shots and everything, I'm just like, like, if it's just a checkup, like, I feel like I know if my kid is like saying the words he needs to say by then, blah, blah, blah. Um, All that to say, um, there have been a few times, probably like three or four times where we've ended up at the doctor because I'm like, well... I better just check this out because he's complaining about his stomach again. Um, And it's like, yeah, I mean, and headaches. Like it's all been related back to this irritability, anxiety, anger, all of this. Um, So it's, I mean, I guess you just trust your gut, right? Like, do I take them or not? (laughs) Yeah, I
1: think it's trusting your gut and kind of like looking at the pattern of – you know, how many times has this actually turned out to be a real illness versus like, yeah, um, you know, there's no way a child has a different well, I guess it is possible the first year of school, but there's usually no way a child has an an illness every single week. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's um it's you if you can see a pattern of um, you know, this seems like this is happening more frequently than it should or you know, he says this and then he's like running around fine. Yeah. Like,
0: that's not a great sign. Yeah. Um, what would you say your the first steps to helping a child who seems to have pretty intense anxiety would be?
1: So I think um, it's a very common misconception um, among parents about anxiety that, you know, when our child is having intense anxiety to help them to avoid it. Um, Mm. So, you know, for example, if your child is anxious of thunderstorms, um, you know, making sure that they, you know, you put on a movie or something every time a thunderstorm happens. So that way they don't hear it and they don't have to ever experience it. But, you know, what that does every time. Mm -hmm. You're helping your child to avoid something. You know the school um, avoidance is another great example. Like, you know, if your child is saying their tummy hurts and you know it's really because they're anxious, and you're like, okay, fine, just stay home. You're helping them to avoid their anxiety. And what we know about anxiety is when you avoid it, it gets worse. Mm-hmm. So, um, so every time you're like giving them the escape route for their anxiety, it's it's going to get worse in the long run. Um, they. Uh, part of that is, um, it rewards the anxiety. So it, Mm. uh, you know, tells your brain, okay, this, this worked, do it again. And, um, it also makes it so they don't get the chance to learn any coping skills. Mm. Um, so as hard as it is for parents, and I completely understand how hard it is. We have to encourage our children to face their fears. Um, and we don't have to, you know, this isn't the equivalent of like throwing them in the pool. If they're, afraid of the water. Like that's not, (laughs) you know, um, you want to encourage them to put their toes in, you know, first, and then their feet in and then, you know, work their way up to getting all the way in the pool. So it's, um, you know, we want to very gradually and gently with lots of support, help them to face their fears. And you can say, you know, you don't want to go too far the other way and say, Oh, this isn't a big deal. Like just get over it. A thunderstorm isn't anything to be scared of. You're safe. Um, because they are scared and you want to validate it and say, you know, I know this is scary, but you can do it. You can, you can face your fears. I know you can do it.
0: Yeah, so school avoidance, that's, that is is a topic I did not know a lot about. Um, you know, I've had several kids who are clinging to me, crying, screaming their first few days of kindergarten, even through kindergarten. Um, but I did not know this was going to be something I might be dealing with later. Um, and one of my bigger kids, we have had this the entire school year. Um, and I'm, I'm telling this story in case there's anybody else that has... Like walked through that and thought, wow, well, I I didn't realize like w- we'd deal with this this far down the road. Like I thought we'd get through that once they started school, um, and it has been such a long process. And the, you know, I can't tell you how many times the school counselors have been like, we just want to acknowledge um, how hard you have been working to make sure he gets to school. Because so many parents are just, you, you put your hands in the air and you're just like, I can't do this anymore. And I can't tell you how many times I felt like doing that. Um, but this has been a three-month process at this point um, of going in through the side door, going straight to the counselor's office. And at times we have been like, should we just homeschool? Like, I don't know what else to do. And so um, we have finally, as of like last week, gotten to the place where he's going in the front door. Um, but gosh, it has been a challenge and, um, I, I could have seen us doing that. I could have seen us like two months ago being like, we're just going to take the semester off in school from home. Um, and it's not to say that like, that would have been the end of the world, but hearing what you're saying right now, I'm so glad we've persevered and it has been so hard, but I think so worth it. Yes. Yes.
1: I mean, that's amazing that you've pushed through. Um, school avoidance is like such a common, common issue. I didn't know. Like Um, when they got older, I had no idea. Well, you think about everything that happens at school that could cause anxiety. You know, you have separating from your parents, you have social anxiety, you have anxiety about, you know, performance, like academic performance. So there's so much with school that can cause anxiety and, um, I think a lot of parents will see school avoidance as like, oh, they're trying to be manipulative or they're trying to be defiant, but it really is often rooted in anxiety. Mm-hmm. So we want to make sure that we don't either go to either extreme. So we don't want to totally give in and be like, oh, you're nervous about school? Like, let's just not go. Yeah. and Or let's homeschool. Let's do whatever it takes to make you feel better. And you also don't want to go so far to the other side that you're like, of course, you don't want to go to school. No, nope. yeah. school. get in the car, get on the bus. Like you're going, uh-huh. you know, you want to take that middle route of you're like, I know this is hard for you. Let's like talk about how we can help you and help make this easier, but you're going to school, you know? Yeah. Um, so you, you want to help them and validate them and empathize them. But also we have to face this fear because, you know, this is their job as a child is going to school and- Um, you want to teach your children that we, you know, we show up for our job. This is what we do. You know, we know school is good for our children. Um, and unless, you know, you want to homeschool as a parent. No, no, no. (laughs) I wouldn't either. Um, if that's what you want and you think that's what's best for your child, you have to be confident in that decision and make sure that it happens.
0: Yeah. Well, and I think that like, there, there is a time and a place for a little bit of that tough love. Like that I'm not the psychologist here. Everybody listening. (laughs) I am not the parenting expert, but you know, like every once in a while, if my kid's like, yeah, I don't want to go, like, I'm like, yeah, 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 come on, go, go, go. But like with these specific instances, like, oh, there's a real issue going on here. Like, you know what I mean? If it's just like, I'm tired or I wish it was the weekend, that kind of stuff. But, um, yeah, I mean, with this specific situation, it was like, okay, there is so much more going on than I just don't want to go to school. Yes.
1: Yeah. You definitely have to follow your intuition and think about, you know, is that it, maybe it is manipulation. Like I think that's, yeah. cool. or is there something more going on there?
0: Yeah. And sometimes I think it can be a little bit of both. Like I feel like I've experienced both at once. Definitely. Yes. It can be, it can be, Lots of reasons. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> which makes decisions really hard sometimes, like yeah. of how I'm going to respond. Yes, exactly. Um, okay. So one of the other thing topics you've covered recently, which I loved, is when you said when gentle parenting doesn't work. And I, I love this so much because I have talked to a gazillion, you know, I guess I'm hearing the term positive parenting more. I've also, you know, gentle parenting's been around too, but those are the two like kind of like catchphrases here, gentle parenting, positive parenting. Um, and a couple of the people I adore, actually I adore most of them. Um, but every once in a while I'm like, man, you, ha- I have four kids and this does not work for all four of them. So um, I'd love to hear you just kind of like talk on that a little bit. Like when it doesn't work, what do you do? yeah
1: yeah so I was so interested when I first got into the social media parenting world because I just it seemed like it was just all gentle parenting and I thought that was so interesting because as a psychologist we don't talk about gentle parenting the re you know doing anybody in the re, academic research world like doesn't use the term gentle parenting. Mm. And that's because it hasn't really been researched. So this is a new concept that, um, in my opinion, a lot of influencers have kind of run away with. Mm, and, totally. Um, and it really hasn't been researched yet. And I love the ideas behind gentle parenting. Like, it's so beautiful. Totally. Like, right. your kid, like treating them like a person that you respect, like this is, you know, taking their perspective, like all of this stuff is so wonderful. And any psychologist would be like, yes, those are good ideas. You know, that, that's how you build a positive parent-child bond. Like that's so... Yes. But like this idea of, um, you know, I think the, the underlying principles are great, but where you get into trouble is when you say but you can't use these strategies that we also know based on decades of research are effective for just. Yeah. So, you know, timeout is a great example. Um, You know, we have decades of research supporting the use of timeout, not only for um, improving behavior, but also, you know, we find no evidence that there is harm. And in fact, there is evidence that it could improve children's um, mental health and it could improve the parent-child relationship. Um, and part of that is probably because when you decrease behavior, that improves the parent-child relationship. Um, because it's it's hard to have a child that's always acting out. You know, it's really hard on your relationship. Um, So, you know, I think that there's a lot of misconceptions and I think it's really important for parents to know that when you feel like... You know, these gentle parenting strategies that you're reading about, you know, on Instagram or blogs aren't working, it doesn't mean that you did something wrong. It does, or your child, there's something wrong with your child. Mm. It just means that, like, this strategy that hasn't been tested by research isn't working. And um, maybe you need to try some other strategies that are backed by research. Um and it you know you haven't failed you're you're there's nothing wrong with your child it just means like it might be time to try something new, um and if it is working for your child like that's so wonderful like keep doing it like right take go all out on gender. run
0: with it yes
1: but if it isn't working like you know we know that there are other strategies that you can try. Um, that maybe are not improved by the gentle parenting people on social media, but might actually work for your child?
0: Yeah, there's like a love-hate relationship with it, right? Because um, like Dr. Becky's a good example. Like she has given so many amazing like ways for me to like rephrase things. But sometimes when she has a video, I'm like, that's not going to work for this kid though. Like I just know it's not going to work. And then I feel like... I don't know if invalidate is the the right word, but I just feel like, ah, but I've tried that and it doesn't work and it feels frustrating. So that's why there's this love-hate relationship because you're like, you know, these people are helping thousands, hundreds of thousands of parents um, have better coping mechanisms for their own parenting. At the same time, it can make you feel like you're really failing though. Yes, exactly.
1: You know, I think a lot of what Dr. Becky says and the other gentle parenting influencers. A lot of the times, I'm like, "Yes, this is great. This is wonderful. right. I um, want to do that." The the when I take issue is when they say things like "timeout" is harmful or yeah. rewards are harmful. Yeah. Um, I don't know how I would get my kids out the door to school without the reward system that we have. You know, it, they, would, they would still be sitting on the couch right now. <laughs> what it- what is your reward system? We have a timer that goes off at, um, five minutes before they need to leave and, um, when they need to leave. And so the, the five minute timer is like, this is your chance to get your shoes on, coats on, backpacks, like make sure you're there. And then the, the last timer. So if they're not fully ready by that, then they, um, so I guess I should frame it more positively. If they are fully ready, if I went the <laughs> off, um, Then they have they get a point and okay. the lead to allowance. So,
0: oh, okay. Um, I love that. Yes. So that
1: is you know we before that before we had the reward system, um, you know I would start yelling, and oh. that, I think that goes to show that. So, you know I what I worry a lot about with the gentle parenting is when it doesn't work and you're like, I don't know what to do. Mm -hmm. And parents do stuff that we know isn't effective, like Mm -hmm. yelling or even worse, you know, spanking or physical punishment. You know, we know that isn't effective. So I really think it's so important for parents to know that like, if these gentle strategies aren't working, there are things you can use that are effective, um, that aren't, you know, yelling or physical punishment or something that's actually is more harsh and, you know, actually doesn't work. Um, so I think using some of these strategies like rewards help you to avoid, um, those moments that, you know, later you feel terrible about.
0: Well, and also like some kids are motivated by different things. Like if my kids are getting money for making sure they do their morning, just how they're supposed to, they're going to be real motivated to do it, you know? (laughs) Hey friends, I wanna tell you about LifeStacks. LifeStacks MCT is the most nourishing thing to add to your morning coffee. It's a delicious MCT creamer packed with functional science-backed adaptogens that deliver smooth, long-lasting energy. It cuts through fatigue and boosts mood and vitality, especially when you're training hard or when you need some extra focus. LifeStacks MCT puts you in the zone. It's a whole system upgrade to your health and performance. I love putting this, I know I said morning coffee at the beginning of this ad spot, but I love putting it in my mid-afternoon coffee when I'm about to get on an interview or if I know I have something I want to focus on, maybe a tempo run. And LifeStacks really helps with that attention and focus I'm looking for. It comes in three flavors, chocolate, vanilla, hazelnut. Just use a frother or froth it up with your coffee. Give yourself a little flavor. It is so delicious. And it has extensive scientific research and evidence to help with a healthy, high-performing lifestyle. Check it out. You're not gonna regret it. Okay, so you can go to Amazon to pick this up. Just type in LifeStacks MCT. Um, I have the link to that in the show notes at sandyboyproductions.com. Use the code lindsey15, that's lindsay 1-5, thats lindsey one 5 Lindsay 15 and that'll save you 15% off your order on Amazon. Lifestacks, M-C-T. Go check it out. Go get some focus this afternoon. All right, friends, back to the show. One of the things my husband always, like, I think his complaint of the gentle parenting era is like that people nowadays, like their kids are their friends. And like I he, I don't know if this is the right term, but he kind of uses like kids have too much agency. Like they're too much the dictator of everything they get to do. And I hear what he's saying. And I wonder what your thoughts are on that. Like when we're so like in our feelings, in their feelings, and it becomes less of a like, I, I actually am the authority in this, in this family. And until you move out of the house, like I, I am the, the person who makes sure like we're safe, we're healthy and all that. And that means you have to follow the rules of this house.
1: Yeah, exactly. You know, like everything in parenting, I think it's a balancing act, you know, like it is so important to be the authority and to not let your kids, um, You know, run the show. And the the way we talk about this in the research is um, permissive parenting versus authoritarian parenting. So, permissive parenting is when you let your kids do whatever they want. And then authoritarian parenting is when you're the dictator and you're like, nope, this is exactly what you're going to do. And um, what research finds, you know, consistent decades of research finds that what is most effective is um, the parenting style in the middle, which is called authoritative parenting, which is. A lot like authoritarian, but what authoritative parenting is, is it's a mix of letting your kids have agency over age-appropriate um, you know, choices or decisions and um and making decisions for them when you need to. So, you know, an example from you know everyday life is like you're going to wear a coat. Mm-hmm. You can choose the red coat or the green coat, but you're wearing a coat today. Um, and you know, assuming that's a battle you want to pick, you could also just let your kid not wear the coat. I was going to and- say
0: my, my <laughs> kids go without coats way too much probably.
1: <laughs> well, that also is like a natural consequence, you know,
0: you're going to be cold, <laughs>
1: you're gonna Be cold. That's your choice. That's, you know, your body, whatever. So, you know, you have to choose your battles. As a yeah, yeah. But, you know, you couldn't say, um, you know, we are, turning off the TV now. You can go outside and play or you can play inside. You know, that is, Two choices here. Yeah. So, you know, we're not letting them choose when and the TV goes on and off, but we're letting them choose what they do next. So, you know, just balancing this, um, you know, letting kids have some agency and some autonomy, because research does show that's really important. You know, we want to give our kids some choices. But we as parents, you know, we do know what's best for them. And I think, you know, I think your husband has a good point that kids aren't little adults. You know, I see a lot that Um, a lot of gentle parenting influencers act like, you know, kids are little adults and we should let them choose whatever is best for them. But the truth is, you know, they just haven't been on this earth for as long. They don't have the experience we have. They don't have the knowledge that we have. And we do have to make decisions for them. Um, but we can allow them some autonomy and some choice, you know, when it is age appropriate.
0: Um, okay. So the last topic I think we'll cover here is Um, I just did an interview with someone on ADHD, but this is like such a hot topic right now. Like everybody's talking about it. And um, I just read the book Unscattered Mind. Have you read The Unscattered Mind? No. I think that's what it's called. I listened to it on Audible Um, because I just kind of was wanting to learn some more like based on the tendencies one of my kids has and based on my own tendencies. Um, And it, it made me feel two things, the book. It made me feel like validated in my own feelings, like, okay, this makes a little bit more sense of why I do X, Y, and Z. It also made me kind of sad because I was like, I feel like I haven't given myself enough grace on some of these things, you know, throughout my whole life. Yeah. I'm curious as a psychologist though, with this trend of like everybody self-diagnosing and it being a big thing, like, what are your thoughts on that? And why is it so like, Trendy is not the right word, but like, why is it everywhere right now?
1: You know, I think like a lot of people are looking for an explanation for, you know, why parenting is so hard. And I think that could be part of it. They're looking for an explanation for why parenting is so hard. And I think also we live in a world where there are so many distractions, you know, our phones being like the number one enemy there. And so I think it is hard to, um, you know, do something simple, like be present with our kids when you always have that phone there. That's like, you know, just calling for your attention. And, um, and I think, you know, that's, that's one of the struggles I hear from parents a lot is like, you know, I feel so guilty because I'm always on my phone around my child. Mm -hmm. And I think that the addiction to technology and the feeling of distraction from it is really common.
0: Yeah. It's so hard. I, um, I wonder with something like ADHD, like, is this like a, it's a spectrum, right? So like if somebody's a one and somebody's a 10, are a lot of us just sitting at a four or five, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It
1: is a spectrum. And I think, you know, anxiety is a spectrum. Um, autism is a spectrum. You know, a lot of these mental health conditions are on a spectrum and there's something, you know, we all have difficulty with anxiety from time to time. We all have difficulty with attention from time to time. But I think it's important to um remember that in order to, you know, actually qualify for a diagnosis, that it has to be getting in the way of your functioning in like a very severe way. So it's mm. tr- your day-to-day life in a severe way. Um. So it's, you know, impacting your relationships. It's impacting your work. So it's, you know, multiple areas of your life are being very ne- seriously negatively impacted.
0: Um, all right, Kara. Well, this has been wonderful. I appreciate all of your um, thoughts and research and everything that you're doing. We'll wrap up here with some end of the podcast questions. Can you tell me one thing professionally or personally that you would like to do with your life that you haven't done yet? Yeah, you know, I really
1: in my professional life um want to reach more parents. So I'm like trying to think of ways to reach more parents. I'd love to hear back from your audience if they have any ideas for that. You know, I have a newsletter on Substack. I'm on Instagram. I'm on TikTok. Um, and you know, social media has its limitations. So I would love, you know, I have a podcast. I would love to find ways to reach more parents in ways that are useful to busy parents. You know, because we do not have a lot of time. And, mm. um, I would love to just reach more people and be more helpful to parents. Um, because I know personally how hard it is.
0: Um, I know your kids are really little, but do you have a trip or any kind of adventure you've done with them that you would recommend to the listener?
1: Yeah. So this summer we, um, we actually went to France with our kids we went to Paris and to, um, Provence, like in the countryside, and so my kids were three, five, and seven at the time. And a lot of people told me it was a really bad idea. Um, but we did it anyways. And we had so much fun. And, you know, I think if you can kind of, you know, my reasoning was like, well, it's only going to be more difficult with more
0: kids. Once so. when you, when your fourth comes, because how <laughs> pregnant were you?
1: I was about 30 weeks, so not like uncomfortable, but Yeah, like, about to be though. Yeah. Um, but we had so much fun. And, you know, I think if you can change your expectations, um, you know, for what a trip like that would look like, I think, you know, you can have this like incredible experience and um have these memories with your kids that um, you know, it's gonna be difficult, but it was it was really fun. And my kids ate nothing but croissants for two weeks. (laughs) Um, you know, we went to a lot of playgrounds. We weren't like, you know, going to the museums, we were going to playgrounds and, but it was an incredible experience for all of us. And I think, you know, just if you're scared to do something, just do it. And once Mm. you've done it, you're going to be a lot less scared. Um, it's kind of like we were, what we were talking about with anxiety, you know, pushing yourself too, in addition to your
0: kids. Wow, I thought you were going to be like, you know, we went to Michigan or yeah. <laughs> No, we went to France when I was 30 weeks pregnant with my fourth. <laughs> yeah. Well,
1: we're we're not doing anything this summer. We need a break. So
0: I love that. Well, you're right though. That was the time to do it because the hardest time to travel in my opinion is when you have one that's like anywhere between like 12 months and 2 because they've just learned to walk and they're into yeah. everything. Definitely. I
1: that is the hardest time to travel. It is so yes.
0: hard. And they're like sitting on a plane. They're they've like, they just want to explore. They're like, wait, I just learned how to do this. I can't sit on a plane for eight hours.
1: Yeah, they will not. It doesn't matter how many activities you bring. They will not sit still. Not yeah.
0: So <laughs> you had a little little sweet spot with the three-year-old there, I guess. Even though three is very hard. Not yeah. Is not.
1: <laughs>
0: yeah. Yeah, he was
1: great. Uh, it was hard.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, what is the best, most recent book you've read?
1: So I'm reading Momfluenced right now, which is about oh, mom momfluen- mom influencers, mom influencers, oh, wow. and it is so fascinating. I um I just think this whole world is really <laughs> interesting. I'm working on a newsletter about trad wives, which are women who oh, yeah we
0: were going to talk
1: about this. Um, women who um, believe that f- uh, following traditional gender roles is kind of what our world is missing, and that, wow. that's how you have a happy marriage and. A happy life and you're a good parent. And I just think this, the whole trad wife movement is so interesting. And, um, and the crazy thing about it, I think is that these women are actually making a lot of money. Oh, totally. Trad wives. So I'm like the, the whole point of being a trad wife is that, you know, your husband is a provider, but then you're making a lot of money off of being a trad wife. So it's like, huh, something isn't really adding up.
0: I know when I was, cause you had posted something in your stories about that on Instagram. And then I was like on this woman's account, the account that you shared. And I was like, wow, your house looks really nice. (laughs) Like, you know what I mean? It seems like this is a dual income house. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And,
1: uh, yeah, she is the person I posted about said, um, you know, I used to worry about politics, but now I just have my husband tell me what to think. And I was just like, what? Wow. What's so happening? One being a stay-at-home mom, but it's another thing being like, I don't have my own thoughts anymore.
0: Yeah. Like,
1: what? This yeah. seems extreme.
0: Yeah. I mean, this is such an interesting topic too. Like, just in terms of like, I work probably 25 hours a week, work from home. And like, I would say I'm more traditionally the parent that that is the home parent, but um, and I have, I mean, I'm I'm honest, like I have wondered, like, I wonder how much different my mothering would be if I gave this up for a little while and just focused on that. Like, I probably wouldn't stress out about dinner as much. I don't know, things like that. But I also know that I don't think I would feel as um, content. And yeah. I want to feel content. And I think some people do feel content doing that. But, yeah, yeah the whole issue, the whole, like like pushing that, but then also like making probably over six figures. It's like, this doesn't make sense. Most people have to actually like work outside of the home to make six figures. Like, you know, um, the internet has made making money just the wild, wild west. It is. It is the way I say
1: that about the parenting influencers on social media. It's like wild west. You can get on and say whatever you want there's nobody stopping you from calling yourself a parenting expert. Like you can literally say whatever you want. And if you have a lot of followers, like you I'm are a, a lot of parenting money. expert. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yes. Oh my gosh. Wow. So much to dive into there. I thought I need to do a whole podcast on the. It's, yeah. it's trad, trad wives. That's what it's called. Yeah. yeah. Oh, trad traditional. traditional. Go, please go down. Oh, a no. Road fascinating. (laughs) Is this what my next 45 minutes before I have to pick my son up from preschool is going to be? Yes, unfortunately it is. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my goodness. Okay, cool. Um, And I love that you're in the space of, I hate to say influencing, but you're, (laughs) I mean, you're, you're teaching and I love that you've made your whole thing a nonprofit for this reason. There's clearly some conflicting feelings with the, market in the in mom influencer market. And, um, I think that you're a really positive, good voice that we can all actually look to and know that you're not trying to like profit off of it. Thank you. Thank you so much for saying that. Um, okay. What's your last message to leave with our audience?
1: Um, I just think it's so important for parents to know, you know, I talk a lot about what the research says, but just because the research says something, it doesn't mean it's right for your child. And, you know, similarly, even if you see like other accounts say, you know, the research says this and whether it's accurate or not, it doesn't matter. You know, it's what matters is if that's not right for your child, you don't have to do it. You know, we, research only says what works for the average child and none of our kids are the average child. You know, you have to do what works best for your child. And yourself and your family, and feel confident in that decision.
0: Mm, thank you so much, Dr. Kara Goodwin. Of course. Thank you for having me. All right, everybody. Thanks for being here today. Thank you, Dr. Kara, for coming on the podcast. You can follow Kara on Instagram, and you know that everything she's putting out in the world is not for profit. (laughs) Something you don't see often on social media, even my own social media. I put ads on my social media, most people do, but Kara does not. Um, Her Instagram is Parenting Translator. You can find me, though I can't promise you won't see any ads sometimes. Um, I am Lindsay Hyde, 626 over there. I would love to connect with you over there. Uh, don't forget, I do have training plans. There I am. There I am with the advertising. You hear me? <laughs> I have training plans on my website if you are looking to train for your first 5K, if you are looking to train for your first half marathon, marathon, or you want to better your time, you want to Boston qualify, you maybe want to break four hours, whatever it is. I have a training plan for you with a detailed pace chart and all the information you need to execute a great training cycle. lindsayhine.com. Go check it out. Friends, I am so grateful you're here. Thank you for joining us and listening to this show. If you enjoy it, share it with your friends so that we can spread the word. I would love to get this important, realistic non-judgy podcast episodes, all of these episodes into the ears of more listeners. I hope that it has brought you joy, helped you feel encouraged. And um, I'm giving you a big hug from over here because this can be tough. Thanks for being here. Sandyboyproductions.com. Check us out and we'll see you next week.